Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 153. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you're struggling with the MCAT, go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page report to help you maximize your score on the MCAT, that dreaded MCAT. Again, freemcatgift.com. Today we have a YouTuber, student Dr. Thompson. His name is Chris Thompson. He is a fourth-year medical student as we are recording this podcast, and he is going to share his story, his path to medicine. He's a non-traditional pre-med or non-traditional medical student at this point. And he's going to share the decision process that he went through with his wife on choosing to leave the job that he was in and go back to medical school. We're going to talk all about those decisions, all about the struggles that he had, the decisions that he made, and so much more. Again, Chris Thompson on YouTube, Student Dr. Thompson. Chris, welcome to the medical school headquarters. Hey, thanks, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. I want to find out from you when it was in your life that you knew that medicine was your calling. Ooh, great question. So I took a non-traditional route to medical school, and I chose business management for my undergraduate degree. And when I graduated in 2009, at least in the part of the United States where I was at, no one was really hiring people in my line of work. Um, bad timing. Yeah, bad timing, economic downfall to be a business major, when previously it was like the the sexy thing to do in undergrad. So, but I did find a job. I found a great job. It actually paid almost double what 
my fortunate friends were making, and it was in corporate sales. So I worked for a large uniform company that, you know, had me going out from business to business selling uniform subscriptions, much like a hospital would pay for when they have scrubs, you know, uh, serviced by an outside company. And I hated that job so much <laughs> that I started looking around. Um, and that's when the idea of medicine came to the plate. So I get this story a lot from especially non-trads of I started in this other career and I wasn't happy and I got turned on to medicine. But then I always dig a little bit deeper. There's, there's something else there that caused you to look into medicine because most people don't go from business to I'm going to go back to four years of med school and three plus years of residency and dedicate my life to this. Did you have any other exposure to medicine in your life? I'm actually smiling as you're saying this because, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. Um, there was something else. I would say two things. There was some exposure, there was a, um, an influential person, but then there was also kind of an inner struggle to find an occupation that I felt like was not only good for me, good for my family, good for my lifestyle, but that I could come home at the end of the day and feel, and feel, you know, this sense of purpose, true rewarding sensation, like, like what I did with my life that day contributed to the, the good of a, a greater story. But kind of like what you were digging into, yeah, I have a younger brother. His name's Kyle. And he went into medicine before I did. He's, so now he's two years ahead of me. And or rather one year ahead of me actually and he's always been he's always been a role model to me most people don't look up to their younger siblings but uh in this case I certainly do and he was he was my counselor he was my you know I bounced ideas off of him and he was the one who ultimately said you know based on on who you are and what I know of you which is significant because we're best friends he said, I really think that you would like what I do, which is medical school, which is medicine, this broader area of occupation that I had not previously considered. So yeah, I would give credit to my little brother. That's awesome. And you had mentioned a couple times family. At this stage of your life where you're making this decision to change careers, to go from a seems like a well-paying job back to being a poor medical student and way in the red with the medical school debt, what family did you have around making those decisions with you? So I got married right as I was graduating from with my bachelor's degree. And my wife at the time was still finishing up school, which was nice because I spent that time you know, hunting for my business job, my job in corporate sales. And, uh, you know, when I, so I was married at the time when I was deciding to go back to medical school and actually what, uh, made things really, really serious for me anyway, was that 
my wife was expecting. So our soon-to-be family of three was literally looking at zero income with this decision. And not only that, you know, taking out loans. And so, yeah, they were definitely huge. My wife especially was definitely 50% of this decision to go back, but she was on board and, uh, you know, she could see that, that in my present state, I wasn't going to last long. I mean, I was, I was depressed and I just didn't, uh, I didn't think long-term that pathway was going to work for me. And so she was very, very supportive and, you know, we were in it together, I guess. So there's a a 50% chance that somebody listening to this right now is a non-traditional student because about half of the listeners are. And so they may be in those same shoes that you were in three or four years ago. What was one of the, the bigger discussions that you had with your wife or one of the pivotal moments where you both said, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And we're okay with eating rice and beans for every meal for the next four years. <laughs> you know, what came up was, and we didn't, we didn't necessarily do this for financial reasons, but you have to think about supporting your family. And medicine is certainly a good way to do that for the most part. Now, we kept coming back to the same principle, like, okay, immediately, the reward would be, let's stay in this job, I'm making a killer income. So the immediate reward could be, you know, a financial benefit for this job. But that would cap out, you know, it would not continue to raise and we'd kind of have a cap on our lifestyle, which was okay. We're, you know, we're not I wouldn't say that we chase income or lifestyle that much. But then the, then the other side was, okay, can we sacrifice now for a greater reward later? Which was tough, you know, because we're starting a family and um, the sacrifice just happened to be when our family would be young. You know, my, my son, and we've, we've actually added to our family. We have three kids now, you know, it's hard, you know, looking forward, it would be very difficult to spend time with my family and my children. But ultimately, sacrifice now for a greater reward in the future versus don't sacrifice now for a smaller reward now. And that's the basic idea behind uh, most of our discussion. And you know what? In the end, we decided, okay, medical school is four years long. And more because we had to do pre-med classes plus residency at three to five years. But in the long scheme of things, you know, what is eight years? Eight years from now, I could find myself in a dead-end job, you know, wondering why I didn't make that decision eight years ago. And so I ultimately decided that it was never too late to change careers and that's when we, you know, that we let go and we went for the greater reward with the immediate sacrifice for the greater reward. That's a, an amazing thought process and very good thought process. It reminds me of the, the marshmallow study. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. The kids in the room with one marshmallow and the, the, the study person leaves and says, if I come back and the marshmallow stay here, I'll give you another one. And watching the kids just do everything in their power to avoid eating the marshmallow is hysterical. Right. And becoming a physician is like having a lifetime supply of marshmallows in my <laughs> mind. 
Yeah. All right. That's awesome. So you make this decision. Obviously, you said your younger brother was already on that journey. I'm assuming that you went to him for a lot of these questions about what classes to take and applications and all this stuff on how to get into medical school. Yeah. And I'd like to also bring in his um, now wife who worked as a pre-med advisor during her undergraduate years. And so she was actually extremely helpful as well. He was more helpful on the emotional, like life-changing decisions, I would say. And then she came in on a very practical level but gave me the advice that any school's pre-med office would give. You know, that's what she was trained to do. And so she essentially walked me through mentally, you know, prepared me for what was ahead of me. Okay, you know, you're going to have to take this class and there's a part two to this class. So you can't take them simultaneously. And, you know, general chemistry versus organic chemistry, physics 101 versus physics 102 or and so she helped out a lot. I would say anyone in any pre-med office would be able to do that, though. You don't have to have a special connection like I had, but it was certainly comforting to know someone who was going through that, who was one step ahead of me. And so it gave me confidence to know, to know someone who'd been on this pathway and... And so she was that for me. That's awesome. So you have this insider information. You make this leap <laughs> after having these in-depth discussions with your wife. What was the hardest part of, of leaving the corporate world, going back into the pre-med life? What was the hardest part about that transition and then the application cycle and getting into medical school for you? Ooh, uh, big question there. Um, you know, I started to shadow physicians before leaving my corporate sales job. And I had, I shadowed my wife's family doctor. So, you know, who her family went to. And he was super candid with me and he was not happy with his decision to do family medicine. And so he had some story for me and some warning for me which made me hesitate, you know, previously I had thought it was all cookies and cream after you were done, you know, and then I shadowed an ophthalmologist who, you know, had very, I guess, been brutally honest with me that it, you know, that it might not be the best thing for someone who had a family. So I guess one of the big challenges was to fight my way through all this advice I was receiving and all these warning signs. I don't know if that was a good, I don't know if that was wise, but certainly I proved to myself that, you know, I was willing to accept some of the downfalls or some of the negative aspects of medicine, I guess. And I think the, uh, the timeline was intimidating. You know, I had at least a year of undergrad or of pre-med courses left to go on my path. And then a year after that of applying to medical school, because I could not apply 
I couldn't take the MCAT until I'd had some of these courses and I wasn't finishing the rest of my major on that extra year. So I, I literally had to waste a year or find something productive to do with that year, which I, you know, I, I knew that going into it, that was intimidating. You know, all this time was required before I could even start. And so that was, that weighed heavily on my mind. Ultimately, I decided again, that a little bit of time or that the time that I had to put into getting into medical school would, I would, you know, it wouldn't seem like that much time looking back. And then again, with the negative advice, you know, everyone is going to say something negative about their lives or about their occupation, whether they're physicians or mailmen, you know, um, school teachers, anyone can find something positive or negative. And I chose to really focus on the fact that there were a lot of positive aspects. And that's how I overcame that hurdle. Again, you know, we're, we're pessimists generally by nature. That's how society has kind of raised us to be until you meet some optimist and, and you say, that's how I want to be. You know, that's at least how I want to focus my my attention as I'm going through this, you know, this massive hurdle looking forward. That's a great outlook and something that doing mock interviews with students, I always bring up the fact like you're trying to enter a career where if you look at surveys, the majority of people are unhappy with their choice. And what I always try to bring to light is that if you look at surveys, like you said, of any occupation, the majority of people are unhappy. And so you don't know the experiences that these people have had in life. You don't know their financial situations. You don't know their family situations. You don't know what else is playing into the fact that they're answering that they're unhappy. It could be the job that they're unhappy with. And if you look at some of the data, it shows every year there's like a 0.6 decrease in happiness. And so people <laughs> are getting complacent with it and maybe a little jaded over time. And so... But I think you took the right attitude is there's always going to be some negativity, but I've seen all of this positive stuff and that's what I'm going to focus on. Well, and you know, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be good days and good and bad days. And some days you're going to be the pessimist, but some days you'll be the optimist. And those days it will feel really good to make this decision. You know, I, I think even the, the days when we're when we're negative, you know, going through medical school isn't easy. There's a lot of hard, hard, hard days and weeks that roll into months and years. But I think in the end, you're motivated because of this hope. And that brings me to another point. My wife and I, we didn't, we tried not to let the theory of the grass is greener on the other side influence us too much because you know, it's, you're not going to like where you're going if you don't like where you're at. And that can be, that can be said of anything in life really, but you can't hope that it's going to be better when you get into medical school. You can't hope that life's going to be better when you enter residency. I don't think anyone in their right mind would hope that, but you can't hope that life's going to be better when you graduate from medical school or from residency and, and practice. I think you just have to accept a difficult lifestyle as far as, you know, demand on your time. And, and that, and again, that can be said of any occupation and then find ways to stay positive. 
let's stop talking about negatives and obstacles and stuff. Now that you're a fourth year medical student, what's been the best part of medical school for you? Oh, you know, in fourth year, the best part of medical school was probably, for me, the hands-on. I'm not super uh, book smart. I don't do well on standardized tests. I didn't ace the MCAT. I didn't ace my my board scores. I do really like the hands-on aspect, though. And I feel like that's where I shine. And as I've entered third year, you know, you get a lot of clinical experience starting third year, at least in my program, and on into fourth year. And I have just, I have literally enjoyed just about every rotation I've done just because I've approached it with this attitude of like, you know, I want to learn as much from this as possible. And, you know looking in ears of a pediatric patient, there's an art to that. You got to get good at following a wiggling tympanic membrane. The art is telling the parent to hold on really tight. (laughs) Yes. Squeeze harder. (laughs) But then there's an art to everything. Suturing during your surgery rotation, interview skills during your psych rotation, everything, there's just this art of the hands-on aspect. And that's what I've really loved. It's what I really imagined medical school to be like, but kind of lost that during first and second year when it was solid books. And don't get me wrong, anatomy is awesome. Physiology, there's a lot of fun coursework. It's very exciting to learn in the, uh, the classroom years of medical school. But then when you get to apply it, that's when you, you really kind of start feeling like the person you went to medical school to become, you know? Yeah, I agree. So medical school apparently wasn't enough for you. You decided to go out and start a YouTube channel. What was your thinking behind starting this whole new project? You know, I've mentioned it. I don't know if I've mentioned it very often, but in medical school, I I was so, and I went to a small town. My school's in Kirksville, Missouri. So it's a population of 16,000. Other than Walmart, there's nothing to do on the weekends. If you get my Walmart's drift. not enough for you? <laughs> you know, I've walked down every aisle of that <laughs> particular Walmart about uh, one too many times. But I was disgusted by how I was spending my free time. I mean, I went to medical school. Before going to medical school, I was an avid mountain biker. I always had a season pass to a ski resort around me. You know, I I was into a lot of different things that suddenly I could no longer be into. Uh, one, because of the location. And two, just the sheer amount of workload that I had. And so I thought, you know, what can I do? to be productive in my downtime? What could be rewarding, a rewarding way to use this free time that I had in medical school? And and, uh, I simultaneously respected people who put up YouTube videos that I benefited from. And I thought, uh, you know, what if I'm a contributor instead of just a consumer? That could be a good way to use my time. You know, and I also thought maybe there's something 
some relationships that I can build through this YouTube channel and things like that. But mostly it was, how can I be productive with this little bit of free time that I have? And you obviously have been very productive with almost 20,000 subscribers now on YouTube. So congrats on that. Thanks. A lot of your material is for medical students. Is there any video in particular that you can think of that a pre-med needs to watch? I think, you know, I kind of, I had this question, like, how can I approach the pre-med audience, which I feel like, I feel like a a large majority of my viewers are actually pre-meds who want to know what it feels like to be in medical school or or just get that, the idea of what it's going to be like. But finally, uh, I think last year I I addressed the pre-meds and the, you know, the pre-pre-meds and it's called, uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it's like my advice to pre-meds and high schoolers. And I just give brutally honest advice on that video saying, you know, what you're giving up to go to medical school. And I kind of give a generalized warning. Okay, I I, kind of toot my own horn that I'm a non-traditional student (laughs) and that's the best way to go. But just to kind of get some adventure under your belt before going to medical school, because you kind of have to press pause on some of that stuff for a little while. Yeah, and I agree. That's the video that I watched where I was like, I need to get this guy on the podcast. It's (laughs) Because the advice is solid for pre-meds. I think, I mean, going back to what you were saying earlier about making this career transition for yourself and knowing that there was going to be these eight years that you were basically putting your life on hold. But in retrospect, you kind of put yourself in your shoes 20, 30 years down the line. What is eight years? And we see, and I talk to pre-meds now, that if they don't get into medical school this year at a DO or an MD school, they're jumping into the Caribbean. I said, wait a minute, wait a year. They're like, I can't wait one year. That's, that's the end of the world. And so a, a lot of people, especially younger students, think one year really is the end of them. And they don't understand that they can do so many other amazing things during that year to strengthen their application, to strengthen them as a person to strengthen them as a physician later on. Yeah, you know, and people all through their pathway to becoming a physician, they have hiccups in their schedule. I mean, there are medical students who have to take a year off for one reason or another. There are, you know, those who, what I'm worried about now, you know, not as I approach the match, there's people who don't match into the specialty that they're really feel like they're meant to go into. And so they take a year to reassess things or to do a transitional year. And then there's, you know, there's women who decide to have a baby and take a year off. And there's all kinds of reasons to take a year off and certainly a year off before medical school even starts. That's a year that you can do so much with to improve your quality of life, to improve your application to medical school. I certainly wouldn't discourage it. I hope people don't lose, you know, hope that they won't become a doctor just because they, you know, have to have this blank year or, you know, reapply next year, that kind of thing. It happens all throughout your 
your pathway. Yeah. So, Chris, as we close up here, what do you tell the pre-med that is staring at maybe a gap year or staring at the MCATs and they're not a great test taker, kind of like yourself, and they're scratching their head wondering if it's all worth it in the end? What do you tell that person? I would tell them to think about it quite seriously. It's not for everyone. I mean, there is a lot of, there's a lot of glamour in this idea of becoming a doctor, but it's certainly not for everyone. Now, if you truly believe that it is for you and you've had hurdles to cross, a bad MCAT score, something comes up, you miss the cycle of applications, I would say to kind of fixate on this life goal that you have and do what it takes to attain that goal, especially if that's, if that's what you truly believe will bring you happiness in the long run. I wouldn't lose sight of that. You know, I go, I have classmates that applied for four years in a row. One of them got a 38 on the MCAT, applied four years in a row. You know, there's, there's no guarantee that you're going to get in on the first try or, or the second, but he was someone to me that just never gave up. And now he's going into general surgery and he's one of the coolest guys I know. I would say, you know, hold tight to that idea and keep working towards improving yourself on paper, yourself in person so that you can accomplish that goal. All right. Again, that was Chris Thompson. As we recorded this, he's a fourth year medical student. So if you're listening sometime in the future, whatever year you may be in, he may be a a physician by now, actually practicing and working. Have you ever wondered why they call it practicing medicine? Sometimes I wonder, but as a physician, you're always learning, always honing your skills. So that's why they call it practicing, I think. If this is your first time listening to this podcast and you got a ton of great information out of it, or you've been listening for a while and you haven't taken the time yet to do this next thing, I would love for you to go do it. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. If you're not an Apple user, you don't have iTunes, you can go leave a rating and review on Stitcher as well. But iTunes is the best place for us, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. We have four amazing new reviews that came in. We have Carlos SRSR, who says, great source of information. I'm a pre-med in Puerto Rico. I just love this podcast. Thanks for all the information, Doc. Thank you, Carlos SRSR. We have Future Doc says, only podcast I listen to every episode. That's awesome. Thank you for that. It says, highly recommend this podcast to anyone who has ever even thought about considering medicine as a career. Thank you. And we have Tap What says, I'm from Chad. Oh, I'm Chad. <laughs> I'm Chad from Provo, Utah. Fantastic podcast that my pre-med advisor suggested. So here, I'm going to stop here. If you haven't told your pre-med advisor about this podcast, that's the best thing that you can do. Don't worry about leaving an iTunes rating. Go tell your pre-med advisor about this podcast and how you've learned a lot from the podcast. Don't mention that maybe you've learned more from the podcast than the advisor that you're telling because maybe they'll, they won't like us, but go tell the pre-med advisor because 
you tell one pre-med advisor, they'll maybe tell a bunch of pre-meds, and that would be amazing. So thank you to Tap What for that. And we have Crazy About Apps 123 says, This podcast will help you excel. I learned an incredible amount of valuable information from the podcast. Dr. Gray and his guests will inspire and encourage you to continue on your path to becoming a physician. That's exactly what we are here to do. So thank you for that crazy about apps. One, two, three. I encourage you to go check out Chris's YouTube channel. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash 153. And also don't forget to check out our partner magazine. That's Pre-MedLife Magazine. You can find them at premedlife.com. As always, I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today, and I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 